Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity, a podcast series brought to you by TVPS, a charity that's been supporting people affected by HIV since 1985. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess and we work for TVPS and our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. If you like the podcast, please rate, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, Hi Jessica, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm happy to be back. Back? Yeah, another another episode. Oh, I, see. I thought you'd been covertly taking holiday. <laughs> no. Back from where? No, back with you in our lovely little recording studio. Oh, I mean, I think it's pushing it. No, no. If I believe it, then it's so. Not a recording studio. Basic, it's basic, but you know. Let's set the scene for everyone. We're sitting on the floor in our centre, yep. in Slough. We've got lovely settees to sit on, but we're worried that they're going to be squeaky because they're leather. Yes. <laughs> we've chosen to sit on a wooden floor. Yeah. Fingers crossed no squeaking from no. the flooring, actually, which is odd. But yes. Do you know what I actually wanted to say? Because we've done quite a few of these HIV Hero episodes now. And thank you so much for all the amazing feedback, everyone. Oh, I know. It's been I so good, that. hasn't it? It has, actually. Um, not just from people who listen, but from people that we've focused on in each podcast episode. So some of them have been in contact to so say thank you. Yeah. Which just increases my level of love for them. Of they course. Taking of course. time out of their busy day to do that. Yeah, no, it's so nice. And I'm glad it's going over well and people are enjoying it. Me too. It's also heartening to know we're not just talking to ourselves. Yeah, I wouldn't mind even if we were. <laughs> Such a creep. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, this week's hero is very apt considering the date because um, I have chosen Princess Diana. Oh. Um, and as you know, today is the anniversary of her death. Yes. Yeah, in um, 1997, wasn't it? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I didn't have the date, but well done you. So um, I thought uh, it was quite poignant, really, isn't it, to focus on her. Um, and I know she's lots of people's hero, and, and rightly so. But we're looking at this um, in an HIV context. 
Um, and actually, when you look into the impact she had in terms of bringing awareness to the virus, it was huge. Really? Because do you know what? I have to be honest. Although, obviously, I know there are those, uh, like the image of her going into a hospital and hugging people and things. I don't really know much about her in terms of her work within the HIV field. So I'm looking forward to this. Oh, gosh. Well. Pressure. Okay. Better be good. <laughs> Well, it will be good because we're going back to the 80s. No, I knew, I knew you were going to say that. Every week, Sarah. <laughs> Do you know the next person I'm working on in my role as HIV historian yeah. isn't focused on the 80s, isn't set in the 80s, it's completely thrown me. Yeah, I bet. But we are in the 80s. It is the best decade for me. Um, do you know what, though? I should point out it's not the best decade for everybody. So for me, it's very much um, <laughs> relaxed T-shirts, pixie boots. Oh, I do love pixie boots. So do I. They should come back in fashion, definitely. I feel like, for me, they haven't left, but perhaps I'm not that fashionable. <laughs> Is it because you're so short? <laughs> I just love it. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a standard pixie boots, just a boot to you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Um, yes, no, pixie boots, relaxed t-shirts, it was it was great, but actually for a lot of people it was a really tough era. Um, you know, think about the miners' strike that went on in the 80s, there was a growing divide between rich and poor, um, there was a growing divide between um, the North and the South. So there was lots of lots of changes of quite, quite a fast moving decade really in terms of technology and um, all of that passed me by. I was only focused. I just want the relaxed t-shirt. <laughs> Um, but there was one thing and that happened at the start of the 80s that kind of brought the whole country together and that was of course the wedding of Charles and Diana it was huge and I remember it I was quite young but I do remember it uh, mainly because we got a day of school really what what year did they get married 1981 I want to say I wasn't born yet I missed it so you can't contribute to this part but I will let you know that it was very good. I didn't watch the whole thing because it did go on a bit. But I um, reenacted it many times with my Cindy doll. Oh, were you Diana or did you play oh, Charles? Cindy. Cindy was Diana. So Cindy was Diana. See, that's I probably would have made myself Diana, I think. No, my Cindy doll was Diana. And um, I had a ball gown for her that at the time I thought looked very much like Diana's wedding dress. <laughs> Oh, made by, wasn't it Emmanuel? Emmanuel, yes. Yes, yeah. Now, I mean, they'll be delighted to know that that was what caught my imagination and that uh, my Cindy doll outfit, which was made of cheap lace and cotton, (laughs) in my eyes, was exactly like her wedding dress. So, there you go. Anyway, we now know that it it wasn't the perfect princess moment that everybody thought was at the time. That's been really well covered in um, the news, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, you know, everyone got swept up in the romance of it and the excitement of it. And she became probably our most famous public figure, I would say. She was loved across the world. She was beautiful. She was stylish. Um, she was just perfect. So there you go. I've already elevated her to hero Aww, status. yeah. <laughs> but we should come back to what it has to do with HIV. So, you know, Diana had many, many public engagements. I mean, she was in the press every day. It was a bit relentless, if I'm honest. And one of those public engagements, which is really key for us, 
is uh, the opening in April 1987, still in the 80s, by Diana of the HIV and AIDS unit at the London Middlesex Hospital. Right. Are these the images that I came? Yes. Right, yeah. remember. Now, it was a groundbreaking moment. um, And actually, do you know, I think if Diana hadn't been involved, I I think most people probably wouldn't have cared. Such was the mood of the nation at the time. And what I mean by that is that those that weren't affected by HIV at the time wouldn't have seen this as a pivotal moment. And the stigma towards HIV then, um, and the fear that a lot of people felt around HIV, meant that people just wouldn't have been interested. But that's not all. That's not the only reason it's a big moment. It wasn't just that because she was there... Now, I have, in um, researching this, because like you, that's the first thing that I thought about, this Mm. picture of her meeting um, people who had AIDS in hospital. Um, So I've had a look, uh, done some research, uh, upmarket research, because I've used uh, magazines like Tatler. Ooh! I know! So there is a Tatler article that I had a look at, and it's written by Rachel Cape um, in June of this year, so I didn't have to research far back. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, I suppose it would have been, sorry, Diana's 60th birthday, wasn't it, this year? Is that right? Yes. So there's been lots of um, kind of focus on her anyway. So that's helped me out a lot. Probably shouldn't reveal that. I did hours of research, but this article was really helpful. (laughs) So um, she talks about the photos of the opening. They show Diana shaking hands with an HIV positive man. And the reason it's so groundbreaking is that she wasn't wearing any medical gloves to do so. The article says her actions were revolutionary in convincing the public there was nothing to be afraid of. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, lead by example. Yes, yeah. And someone that, like you're saying, the nation really loved and trusted. Absolutely. She was the first high-profile person to do this, to shake somebody's hand who's affected by HIV without wearing any gloves. Oh, wow. So that picture was shared around the world. Yeah, I mean, it's so famous, isn't it? It is, definitely. But you might be thinking, well, that you know, all our pictures are shared around the world, so why would this be any different? But let's look at the stigma around HIV at the time. Uh, but not the UK, because we've covered this when we've talked about it's a sin and when we've looked at other heroes. So let's go to America and see how the stigma was over there around this time. Because it wasn't just the UK that um, was experiencing stigma. In America, oh, it was bad. Really? Yes. I always wish when I tell you these facts that we had a (laughs) camera to record your facial expressions, but sadly we don't. So I was looking at an article written by Justin McCarthy in June 2019 um, from something called the Gallup Vault. Now, Gallup, you know, they're the people that do polls. Right. And obviously they've kept all their past polls in a vault and he's gone in there to look at um, stigma around HIV. I know. So I'm going to read you out some facts about people's perceptions of HIV. So in 1985, the first poll he looked at, uh, more than a quarter of Americans, that's 28%, reported that they or someone they knew had avoided places where homosexuals might be present as a precaution to avoid contracting AIDS. By 1986, so the following year, that number had grown to 44%. 
Can you yeah. imagine living your life thinking, well, we can't go here in case we bump into a gay person? That's crap. Well, I want to know where they thought these places were. <laughs> where you're just congregating people. In, like, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, in, it's insanity. It is, definitely. Now, in 1987, there were two separate polls, um, one of which cited that roughly half of Americans agreed it was people's own fault if they got AIDS. Oh, I, I, I mean, uh, oh, I hate that point of view. I know. I wonder how they worded the question. You wonder how leading it was. Well, true. That response. They also said 46% said that most people with AIDS had only themselves to blame. <sighs> and then uh, in 1987 and 1988, 43% in 1987 and 44% in 1988 believed that AIDS might be God's punishment for immoral sexual behaviour. You're joking. No, this is definitely all written in this article from genuine polls that were taken at the time. Oh, I mean, that's awful, isn't it? We, it, yes, definitely. To have this is why I don't want to talk about the 80s anymore, Sarah. <laughs> Every week you just tell me awful, awful things. I know. I feel my pixie boots aren't enough anymore. <laughs> They're not. Right, what else came out of the polls? So, a solid majority, 78% agreed people with age should be treated with compassion. Yes, that's a nice stat, isn't it? Mm. But most Americans, 60%, also agreed people with AIDS should be made to carry a card noting they had the virus. No. And one in three, 33%, agreed that employers should be allowed to fire employees who had AIDS. 21% of Americans said that was a bit too Didn't much. You? Like, oh. <laughs> said people with AIDS should be isolated from the rest of society. What? Oh. I know. So this is, you know, I mean, the stats highlight why the picture of Diana shaking hands was so important. Because mm. these are the views people had at the time. And this isn't just someone's opinion. This is lots of opinions that Gallup have pulled together from their polls. So, oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not surprising. I know. I, I don't know why we're ever surprised because we know, you know, the stigma is bad. Stigma is still quite bad. And I imagine it's probably still quite bad in America as well. So I don't know why I'm forever surprised when we do this, but it is just horrible to think that if you were positive yourself, that these are the opinions people had and that you were probably hearing. It's just, oh, it's really sad. It is really sad. No, I absolutely agree with you. And although, you know, we've both worked in this sector for a long time and we know stigma still exists, Mm -hmm. when you see facts like that written down... It still gets to you. It still makes mm. me angry. Yeah, oh, completely. There's absolutely no need for people to... But such was the lack of education at the time that people formed their own opinions. <clears throat> See how my voice is breaking with passion. And they, I guess they're scared, you know, and people, if they don't know about something and they're scared of it, it's just, oh, my goodness, like, keep it away from me, isn't it? Mm. Still wrong, though. Anyway... Stepping forward a bit. Do you remember the interview Diana gave to Martin Bashir? That's been covered in the news as well recently, hasn't it? So that took place in 1995. And during the interview, she says, nothing brings me more happiness than trying to help the most vulnerable people in society. It's a goal and an essential part of my life, a kind of destiny. 
And I, really, that shows how people with HIV were viewed in the 80s mm. by compassionate people like her. They were the most vulnerable. And, you know, as is often the case, the most vulnerable can often be overlooked because they've got the quietest voices. Yeah. So that's why that picture that was taken at the hospital was so important because it brought attention to the plight of those living with HIV and it started to address the stigma they were experiencing. Back to Tatler. Just from a photo. Amazing. I know. I know. And it led to other things. So she, um, so the Tatler article describes how Diana became a patron of the National AIDS Trust. She spoke at their events. She helped dispel myths about HIV being a gay issue because she started talking about mothers and children living with it. So all of this is helping to change the public's perception of what's going on. And people did take notice. So the royal family um, weren't known for supporting controversial issues back then. So for Diana to do this, it was a huge step forward for them and also for, for society because it had never happened before. But this is why what I'm about to tell you next makes her, elevates her beyond hero status because she didn't just publicly support people with HIV. She also met them privately. No press there. She went um, in discreet visits. She often went early in the morning or late at night um, and one of the places she used to visit was called the London Lighthouse. Oh. Yes. Um, and at the time, that was Europe's biggest HIV centre and hospice. And she would um, kind of go there and, and visit people. How lovely. Yeah. And there is a fab, really fabulous article uh, that was written in the Gay Star News in uh, 2017, August 2017, by someone called David Hudson. Now, he worked there at the time at the London Lighthouse. I think he was a volunteer. And he talks about meeting Diana um, and her visits to the centre. So he says he was manning reception at 6am one morning. And it was quiet. He's reading a book. Uh, gets a call to say a VIP visitor's coming in. He needed to let them in and accompany them to the lift. And he's like, mm, yeah, whatever, fine. You know, it's kind of too early for all of this. Anyway, that VIP person was Princess Diana. And he just did what I think all of us would have done and just gawked at her. <laughs> and he forgot that he was using um, a giant cock and balls bookmark to mark his place in his book. <laughs> so she introduced herself to him and then she looked down, she sees the bookmark. He screams. <laughs> Because he realised he hadn't hidden it. And she burst out laughing. Oh. <laughs> I think, how lovely. I mean, we've all had these moments, haven't we, where we've panicked or we've been overcome with emotion yes. and you just kind of lose it <laughs> um, and you don't realise what you're doing. And do you remember when we went to that award ceremony? Um, oh, this is a good few years ago. We'd won an award. The host was Chris Tarrant. Yeah, oh, I do. Yeah. And in my excitement at having won the award and meeting him, I just threw myself at him on stage. Yeah, he was he was trying to put his arm around you to get a picture, <laughs> and you fully hugged him. You thought he was going in for a hug. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he did look terrified, didn't he? Even the photo we've got, he's not looking best pleased. <laughs> But I don't know, I mean, 
something that's not quite the same as Princess Diana by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, he was a memory from my youth, from Tiswas, from Capital Breakfast. I mean, my excitement level was on a par with the time that I met the Crankies. You've met the Crankies? I have met the Crankies, yes. What were they like? All right. Oh. <laughs> they actually meet my expectation. Yes, I've gone to see um, Cracker Jack being filmed. Oh, really? And they were there. Oh, you see, the, yeah. the Crankies are my dream um, fancy dress outfit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I'd be, obviously, Jeanette or Jimmy. And whoever I went with would be the other one whose name I have no idea about. Isn't that sad? They're husband and wife, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I know yeah. we're digressing, but yes, I have met them, so... And, uh, amazing. It wasn't as good as meeting Chris Tarrant. Not as good as throwing a at him. thank goodness I never got to meet Princess Diana. God only knows what I would have done <laughs> if I'd seen her. But I think this just shows, you know, how down to earth she was. Yeah. And how lovely, what a lovely anecdote for him to have. I'm mm. so glad he shared it. Um, but yeah, a lot of her visits weren't publicised. So she used to go and sit and hold hands with patients who were in the hospice and um, a bit like Jill Nolder, actually. Yeah. She's just keeping them company. She's letting them know someone cared. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I love that it's not all... And I know... Because obviously we know that doing things within the press was helping people understand the virus and was lessening stigma. But it's also nice, so nice, so amazing for someone to then go and do things privately as well and really spend that time. Definitely. I know. She's lovely, isn't she? She really is. Those doughy, doughy eyes that she has. (laughs) (laughs) She just snorts. He's so excited about... (laughs) Are you comparing Princess Diana's eyes to bread dough? Or do you mean like a deer? Yeah. Like, you know when you call someone (laughs) doe-eyed? Did you think I meant bread? (laughs) How is that a saying? I don't know. Oh, dear. I was just like... (laughs) No, what I was thinking of was her sat next to me holding my hand in a hospital and looking in with those beautiful eyes. Oh, That's what I, I meant. See. Just edit out the snort, edit out the snort. <laughs> Never. <laughs> anyway, I composed myself. It wasn't just in this country uh, that she was helping to change perceptions of HIV. So if you um, have ever seen The Crown, I haven't watched it. I have to, I haven't, not yet. Uh, the season four finale, finale uh, shows a scene where Diana visits a paediatric AIDS ward in Harlem in the USA. During her visit, she hugs a little boy who's HIV positive, And it's pointed out to her he's one of many positive children on the ward that need foster homes. But people are afraid to adopt or foster them because they're HIV positive. Oh, don't. Oh, I know. my heart hurt. And that scene was true to life. There are pictures of her um, hugging this little boy. Uh, But again, it's alleviating stigma. People saw her hugging him and started Mm. to sink in that actually you've got nothing to fear from adults or children who are HIV positive. So during the 90s, she visited AIDS patients all over the world. So wherever she visited, she made sure to include visits to those affected by HIV. Oh, I know. See, I'm learning so much. I did not know this. I just thought she'd just done 
little bits and bobs here and there. So did I. I isn't that awful? It's like yeah. I'm really diminishing the um the the huge impact that she's had. This is why this is important. This podcast, so that but we she, share. This. Yeah, exactly. She involved other people as well. So there's an article, really good article in Elle magazine written by Emma Dibden in June this year. She chronicles Diana's groundbreaking HIV work. She mentions another visit to the London Middlesex Hospital, but in 1991 this time. She was accompanied by the First Lady of the United States, so at the time that was Barbara Bush. And during her visit, one bed-bound patient burst into tears. And Diana puts her arms around them. Of course, you would, wouldn't you? Mm. But that gesture, that had a huge impact on Barbara Bush. Because the royal family, um, or actually anyone in a high-profile pro- role, they rarely touched people. So that's kind of got Barbara Bush on board, if you like, mm. that more should be done um, in that way to lessen fear. Now, I think, I suppose when I was looking into this, it did cross my mind. Is she consciously doing all of this to dispel myths? Or is it just a very natural reaction of empathy to someone who's unwell? Because you know, she must have known her actions would be photographed and kind of spread around the world. And she wouldn't have been the first person to use the press for publicity. But if that's what she was doing, what a clever and gentle way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Really clever. Yes. And rather than being a big kind of publicity campaign, like you're saying, it's feeding people this information slowly through their daily newspapers sitting at the breakfast table, isn't it? Those almost subliminal subconscious messages. Not that it's subliminal, but, you know, subconsciously you're, oh, okay, yeah, this is okay, yeah, fine. So it's not like, you know, the campaign AIDS Don't Die of Ignorance, which I know we've talked about in our previous podcast. But, yeah, it's, like you're saying, a very gentle way of kind of changing attitudes. Definitely. Yeah, very, very clever. And you might think, as I did, that it was all very easy. So that first photograph in in the hospital, easy to orchestrate. Of course it would be. It's Princess Diana. Mm. But it wasn't. So there's an article um, in The Guardian in September 2017, and it's a combination of contributions from various people in answer to a piece written by Hilary Mantle called The Princess Myth, where she's looking at Diana's work. And one of those that wrote or contributed to the article is somebody called Philip. I'm not going to say his surname because I can't pronounce it. It's C-K-L-A-R. And he knows only too well about HIV stigma, HIV stigma, because his best friend was on the ward that Diana visited during her first visit to the London Middlesex Hospital. He explains the plan was she would be photographed meeting sort of 12 or so HIV positive patients. When she arrived, almost everyone on the ward point blank refused to be photographed. Of course. Because they're scared of the stigma. Yeah. Yeah. There was only one man that agreed, and then only if he was pictured from behind and kept anonymous. His name, which is now publicly known, I'm not a Yeah, I mean, don't out him after all this time. (laughs) Seems inappropriate. (laughs) His name was Ivan Cohen. And Philip, who's writing about him, was his best friend. So, actually, not only do we have uh, Princess Diana to thank, but we also have this man, Ivan, to thank. Yeah. We owe him a huge thank you, because if he hadn't consented, there wouldn't have been any photos of her visit. 
So, you know, what a brave man. Maybe he recognised how the publicity the image would get would help raise the profile of HIV and challenge people's perceptions. I mean, he probably didn't realise it would become one of the most iconic and groundbreaking photos in the world. Yeah, both of them. The the that Yeah, that's amazing. They both helped by being in that photo change an awful lot of people's attitudes and opinions. Definitely. Thank goodness for his bravery yeah. in agreeing to do it. Oh. Um, because, yeah, otherwise... And I'm glad his best friend shared to, you know, to explain what did happen. Because like you're saying, you think, oh, it's Princess Diana. Of course everyone wants to meet her and be photographed. But no, when we look at this more, why should people give up their anonymity? And we definitely know at the time people were trying to also protect friends, family. So I understand why people are actually, no, I don't want to be photographed. So amazing. What was his name again? Ivan? His name was Ivan Cohen. And this is kind of his last in legacy, isn't it, that photo? Amazing. Yes, so we're very grateful to him. And there we are. So Princess Diana started to break down all the barriers around HIV. She got the virus, much needed press coverage, but most of all, she really cared about the people she met. She wanted them to know she cared, and she made sure she used her public profile in the best way she could to do good and make a difference. Yeah. She really did. Like, she, like, yeah, absolute definition of using your fame and your profile to really, really make changes. Definitely. What a woman. I know. I know. And I know it's obviously sad that we're, this is the day of her, her death. Um, But I'm glad we're celebrating her and everyone else we've talked about. Definitely. Absolutely amazing. Good job, Sarah. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm looking forward to the next one, though, where it's not in the 80s. You have said no 80s, yeah? No, it's not in the 80s, definitely not. Right, well, I'll see you then. You will. I'm going to wear 80s clothing so that we still have an 80s theme. (laughs) No! Leg warmers deserve an outing. (laughs) Thank you for listening to HIV Hope and Charity. If you'd like to know more about the work that we do, visit tvps.org.uk. And please like, subscribe and rate the podcast if you enjoyed it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.